Hi farmers and welcome to The Legal Buddha Macy with Katlahongwane. This is episode 1 powered by Food from Zansi. Basically we'll be covering all sorts of topics like water rights. We'll start with that today and then we'll go into security of tenure. We will talk about leases, contracts, basically everything that has to do with you farmers and what you need to do to make sure that your farming enterprise is successful. So, let's get into it. Let's talk about water rights. It's not the first time I talk about water rights, but all the time, as we know, the law changes and new things occur in the country that brings us back again to the same topic. So like we've discussed before, and some of you might know, water rights is an issue in the agricultural sector because you can't farm without any water. What does that actually mean for the farmer? Basically, it means that you have to go to the Department of Water and Sanitation and you have to get permission to get water and to irrigate your farm. What do I mean by permission? I mean a license that is granted by the Water and Sanitation Department that allows you to irrigate and do what you want on your farm. But it's not that simple. It's not as easy as I'm putting it to you. It's a whole application where you have to explain things like, how much water do I need on my farm? What am I going to do with the water? So what am I irrigating? How many hectares am I irrigating? And therefore, how much water does it equal? So basically, you can't just say you want water without having to explain to the department how much water and what the water is for exactly. Remember, the reason why we need a water license or rather the department requires that one has a license is because we need to conserve our water because South Africa is a water-scarce country. Having said that, you go onto their portal, which is on the internet, and you fill out all those details. You need to also put in a report from hydrogeologists. You need to put in reports if you're doing a borehole of what your borehole will look like, what's the size, how much it will pump out. And also you need to fill out documents about how are you going to make sure that you are conserving that water and you are efficiently using that water. Because like I said earlier, we do not want any wastage of water in the country and it's a requirement. So a lot of people say to me, yeah, but what if I buy land and the land is right next to a river? Does it mean that I can just start pumping? No, there's two scenarios that can happen in that particular case. One, you buy a piece of land and the person you're buying it from did not have a water license, which means that you'll have to apply for one yourself. Or two, the person you're buying from does have a water use license and all you have to do then is take it to the Department of Water and Sanitation and ask them to change the name that's on the license into yours because now you are the new owner of the land. What then happens once you have your water use license is that then you can use the water according to what the license says. The license will be very specific about how much water you can use, how many hectares you can irrigate, and should you grow within your farming enterprise and you want to irrigate more or plant more of whatever it is that you're planting, then you would have to apply again for either an extension of of those water rights or you would apply for a brand new license to do a brand new exercise on your farm. So I just keep talking about planting. It's not just planting. You need a water use license if you have a piggery, if you have a dairy farm, cows, if you have horses, whatever the case might be. Any type of use of water, you need a water use license. The other thing that one must also keep in mind for your smaller farmers, if you are using less than 2,000 cubes of water a year, then you don't need a water use license because that's considered domestic use. So basically that means that me, Gatli, 
In my house, if I have a little vegetable garden and I want to irrigate, I don't use more than 2,000 cubes of water, which means that I don't need to go to the department to water my vegetables because I'm not using that much water. But if you are using a lot of water and you intend to use a lot of water in the future, you will need to have this water use license. So I know a lot of people think, oh, well, I'm just going to use the water. I'm not going to bother myself with the regulations of the water and sanitation department. I would advise you not to do that. It is law. And if you are found out that you are using water without the requisite license, you could get into serious trouble. And when I say serious trouble, I'm talking about imprisonment and or a fine. This is not just a, an empty threat. We've seen it happening already in the country where people have been fined millions of rands and have been charged with criminal cases for the fact that they have not complied with the Water and Sanitation Department and they've gone ahead and used water without permission. So whether you're constructing a dam, a borehole, you're pumping from a river, please, I advise that you go and get your water use license before you start using the water because you do not want a criminal record. And furthermore, you do not want an outrageous fine that now the departments are handing out to our farmers. This has happened before you. If you don't believe me, you can actually go on the internet on the department's website. They are printing out letters and showing people that they have prosecuted people. I think the last one that I saw was 1.8 million rands that they find a farmer for using water without permission. How do they find you out? How do they bust you? Basically, they are allowed to come onto your farm and inspect. And if they find you using water, a dam that they don't know about, a borehole they don't know about, you get into trouble. So let's get back into the technicalities of what happens. So, for example, if you have a borehole there, one of the requirements is that you must put in a meter to measure the water to make sure that you're using only what you've been allocated in terms of your license. So that's very important that you put meters on to your pumps, your boreholes, whatever it is that you're using to draw water. You have to put a meter in so that the department is sure and is satisfied that you're using what you're supposed to be using, not more and not less. So what happens when another farmer comes to you and says, well, I need water. Can we borrow each other water? Can you sell water to me? At the moment, the jury is still out about selling water. So initially, you could sell water. So farmers used to do that to say, well, if you're going to take water from my farm to irrigate your farm. You can buy it from me. Then the National Water Act came into place and said, no, you cannot sell water because the water does not belong to you. It belongs to the state. And the state has charged the Water and Sanitation Department to be the monitoring body that makes sure that everybody is using water equitably and it's fair. Then some farmers took it to court to say, well, that's unfair because we've always been able to sell our water or able to buy our water. So why not? Then the court said, you're right. You shouldn't be stopped from selling water or buying water. So that's the case. Then the Water and Sanitation Department appealed that decision by the court. And that court found that, yeah, actually, it's correct. You shouldn't sell water. You shouldn't buy water. And now in this juncture, we are at the Supreme Court of Appeal where it's now being decided whether or not this can happen. So it's now on appeal. We are all waiting to hear what the court has to say. Once the court has made a decision, that will probably be the final decision. And at that point, I'll probably be able to tell you whether or not one can sell or buy water. But in the meantime, it's at a standstill. So um, this is a section 25 of the Natural Water Act that one cannot make a decision yet. The department don't make decisions on that yet because the judgment is still outstanding to find out what is the case and proper way to deal with this particular matter. So when it comes to that, I cannot answer you yet until we know what the courts have to say.
And then we have something called a Section 27 motivation. So if you look at the Water Act, it talks a lot about how we need to encourage women to join into the agricultural sector because before women were not as involved in it. So there's a big push in terms of, for lack of a better word, let's say affirmative action, that we have more women involved in the agricultural sector. And what that means is that when one applies for a water use license, a Section 27 motivation means that you have to tell the department why they should give you that water and what have you done to make sure that you have addressed the injustices of the past. So obviously what happened in apartheid and the fact that a lot of people were excluded from the agricultural sector. We all know that currently the agricultural sector is dominated by men, firstly, and obviously a lot of white people still are the biggest farmers in the country. So the Act tries to see how quickly can we get women in a space within the agricultural sector? How do we get more black people within the agricultural sector? And you have to then motivate from that point of view. So I know then white people are like, what is the Water Act now against us and we will never get water rights? No, that's not necessarily the case. But when it comes to a Section 27 motivation, then we have to talk about things like how have you addressed or redressed the injustices of the past within your farming enterprise? So do you hire more women than men? It's a good thing if you do, because then that bolsters your application in terms of the fact that you're redressing and you're including women. What I really like about this act is the fact that it is pushing for women. It is pushing that women succeed within the agricultural sector. And agricultural sector doesn't necessarily mean that women must be owners of farm per se. Including them does not mean that. Including them means in employment, in job creation, in the sense that are they doing more? Are they developing skills within the agricultural sector in order to meaningfully participate in the economy of the sector? And that's the biggest thing. So this applies to everybody in terms of answering that question that what are we doing as farmers to make sure that women participate actively and productively within the sector. And that's something that I'd like you guys to consider when you do your motivations. And another thing that motivation asks for is whether or not you are using the water beneficially and efficiently. So what does beneficially mean? So what is your enterprise doing to change the face of agriculture in South Africa? Are we benefiting our communities? Are we making sure that people are fed? Are we making sure that South Africa is a food secure country and that we can fend for ourselves should the need ever come to? So agriculture and farming, we always say how important it is, but it is super important from the point of view of food security, of job creation. It is one of the things that we know, or at least I believe, that technology is one thing in terms of the manual side of agriculture, but as people, we will always need to eat. So we will always need agriculture versus maybe other careers that might die out as artificial intelligence comes into the world and in, into our systems and how we work. So my thing with farmers and agriculturists is that what are you doing to make sure that South Africa is productive from that point of view and it continues to be productive? And one of the best ways and what I like about this act is the fact that everybody needs to be involved, including women, to make it, those famous words, fair and equitable for everyone. The next part that we need to talk about in terms of water rights is that can I do it by myself? So I'm a farmer and I don't have much money, so I'm going to do the whole application by myself. Yes, you can. However, you will still need some experts involved in what you're doing. And most of the time, it's your hydrogeologists. So your engineering consultants also get involved. 
Sometimes people like myself, if you are unsure about how to compile your application, how to draft a motivation, people like myself come in to help you with that on a consultative business to make sure that it is correct and you do the things properly so you can get successful applications going through to the department. The question I get asked the most is, well, how long does it take to get a water use license? Well, our president says that it should take about three months, which is 90 days. And when you go on the portal also, they sort of give you a 90-day deadline or process that you think. But to be honest and in reality, what does happen is that it takes a little bit longer. I think the shortest I've seen has been about six months to nine months. But I've heard of people that have waited two, three years and all of that. But again, it goes back to how good is your application, how complete your application is, because obviously if you don't have the right documents in your application, it will come to a standstill or you'll have a back and forth with the department. But obviously we live in hope and we are very optimistic people as farmers. So we know that we are hoping that the department will come to the party and these things will go a little bit faster and we'll get to the point where it is truly 90 days for an application to come back to us with obviously a positive answer for what we want. So does the department always say no? Yes, they can say no for different reasons. Some of the reasons are as simple as the fact that they do not believe that the amount of water you've asked for exists in the area in which you are. So again, that's where your hydrogeologists come into play, where you get advice for them and they can give you an idea of how much water is in a specific area and what is possible or what is not possible. So my biggest advice would be before you purchase land or before you start your operation as a farmer, you need to do as much research as you can about the area and how much water there is because there's no point starting something if there's no water to irrigate at all. Second thing that one needs to keep in mind when it comes to water rights is that, again, and I'm repeating myself here, do not start before you know what's going on in that specific area in terms of water. And actually, the Water and Sanitation Department has that information. They've got schedules where they can tell you in an area if there's water, how much water there is. Another reason why they could reject you is because your application is incomplete. Another reason they could reject you is because water rights in that area are finished in the sense that other people have already applied for rights and therefore the scheduled water or allocated water of the area has been taken up and there's no extra water to give to anybody else. But just remember, water can be released back. So what do I mean by release back? Release back means that somebody was farming and now they've stopped farming. Maybe they've changed their particular farm into a lifestyle estate. So now it's homes that are on that particular farm, which means that obviously that person does not need water for agriculture anymore or for irrigation. So that's when water will be released and one can then apply for that water that was maybe used previously by another farmer. So that also forms part of the research that one should do before you decide that you want to do your farming operation or you want to apply for water rights. So having said that, that is probably the most you need to know about water rights for now. Start the application via the portal. Make sure that all your documents are correct. Speak to all the experts that you need to speak to. One more thing, leasing land. So again, with the leasing of land, you need to ask the person you're leasing from, do you have water rights? And it's not enough for the person to say, yes, I have water rights because they assume they do just because they've got water next to them and there's water coming out of the ground. You need to ask them for your own protection. Can I please see your water use license? 
And remember, a water use license is very specific. It will say water use license. This is the allocation. This is where you can get the water from. This is how much water you can have. This is the hectares you can you can irrigate with this water. This is the type of vegetables or grapes or whatever the case might be that you can can irrigate with this water. What I've seen is these VNV documents where people are saying, well, this is my water use license because the department once came and gave me a VNV. If you are in possession of a VNV document, you will see right at the bottom of the same VNV document in very small letters in a little box, it says that this is not uh, allocation and a right to use water. It's very, very specific. So really look out for that because I've seen a lot of people with those documents and they believe that those are water use licenses, but they're not. If you ever want to see a copy of a water use license, I call it uh, the unicorn document because a lot of people have not seen it in real life. You must feel free to email me and we will send you a copy of what it's supposed to look like if you don't know what it looks like. Thanks for listening to the Legal Burumaisi with Katle Hongwanya podcast. Proudly brought to you by Foodform Zanzi. Remember to share this podcast on your favorite social media channels. You can also register for the upcoming Water Rights Summit to be held in Peter Maritzburg, Paul and Centurion. Go to events.foodformzanzi.co.za for more.